It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. I'm Marcia Nelson and I'm so happy you're joining me today for my show, The New Feminine Wealth. And every Tuesday morning at this time from 9.30 to 10.30 California time, Pacific Standard Time, I'll be here talking with you. The purpose of the show is to start new conversations about wealth. There's a new set of values, I believe, that are coming into the world culture about the meaning of money and the values that we are bringing to our ideas about money and wealth. And it includes having a rich life at all levels. So we'll be exploring that subject, different aspects of it on different shows, and I really welcome your participation. With that in mind, right off the top, I want to give you the call-in number. I have some wonderful guests today, and I encourage you to call in and share and ask questions. Uh, The number you want to call is area code 347-25, don't say this, I'm doing that again. I'm dyslexic, so sometimes what I'm thinking and what I'm saying don't quite match. So we'll do it again. 347 And to jump right in, I would like to welcome Gail Sylvia. She is the founder and the inspiration, energy, and generosity behind Sylvia Global sylviaglobal.com, Sylvia Global Media. It is because of Gail Sylvia that we're able to bring this show to you today. Welcome, Gail Sylvia. Hi, good morning. <laughs> so How nice. are you? Good, so nice to hear your voice. Oh, you're so going to be talking for you. Uh-huh. You're going to be talking today about uh, something really special, and it's 100 Urban Entrepreneurs. Yeah, well, you know, 100 Urban Entrepreneurs is a phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal um, organization that's doing work that we want to give more um, exposure to. Uh, We want people to support them. We want um, our listeners, our audience, to be aware of their mission and their goals and and, and participate in the work that they're doing. Um, I was introduced to 100 Urban Entrepreneurs through the entertainer Neil during one of um, the pitch competitions for his foundation, the Compound Foundation. And what the 100 Urban Entrepreneurs represents is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation that's dedicated to helping provide really meaningful, long-term economic boost to urban communities throughout the United States. And, Marsha, the way that they do this is by supporting, um, especially underrepresented entrepreneurship, um, minority groups that are uh, underrepresented, gender-based groups for women um, at their earliest stages of development. So taking those dreams and turning them into a sustainable economic reality in urban communities. Uh, What they do is offer a $10,000 start-up grant and eight weeks of intensive business mentoring to entrepreneurs across the United States. So it's important, you know, for the our Sylvia Global audience to, to be aware that the vast majority of businesses that they help are not high-tech 
uh, firms, they're in the area of culinary, uh, the culinary arts, uh, retail operations, fashion lines, tutoring services, and service industries um, in general. The kinds of companies that knit people together in urban communities nationwide that also create jobs and economic growth in places that they call home. So ultimately, uh, what is you know 100 what sets 100 urban entrepreneurs apart is that they invest at the beginning of the business life cycle, and when they're when people are most unlikely to attract the attention of angel investors or venture capitalists, 100 urban entrepreneurs steps in. Um, they found that the research shows you know that urban entrepreneurs receive a, a minuscule share of early-stage funding, so the, their mission is to target financing accordingly and assist young business people and their communities when they need it most. So these are uh, people, it sounds like from what you said, they're mostly young. Is that just, is that part of their criteria, or is that just... You know, I'm young. It's a frame of mind. Wait, <laughs> 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 I think... They are. You know, they are. At um, Neil's Compound Foundation, when they had their pitch competition, um, most of those, um, all of those applicants were high school-age students in the foster care system. And incredible um, vision for their business and business plans that were really well thought out, um, they were given incredible counseling, and so they were very viable business plans. So here's what One Under Urban Entrepreneurs does. Um, they extend an invitation when they enter a market, so in this case, Atlanta, um, and in that particular case with the Compound Foundation, it was within the Compound Foundation's um, mission, but in general, 100 urban entrepreneurs, they'll enter a market, so Atlanta, D.C., L.A., um, Tennessee, you know, some places in Tennessee, in many places, they've been all across the country. Uh, they'll extend an invitation to the general public in the urban community to um, show up at a designated time, designated location, and they've got five minutes to pitch their business idea. So the elevator pitch in five minutes to convince a panel of judges that they're worthy of the $10,000 gift. Um, grant. So this is the opportunity that everyone with a brilliant business idea and not the funds to get it off the ground is looking for. You know it is, and I don't. I have not seen them apply um, age restrictions because the urban community is so. Uh, you know they're. There is so much talent there, but they do focus heavily on um, high school and probably up to 35-year-olds, but mm-hmm. I don't think that they're, they've, you know, put any limitations on it. I love that high school kids have this opportunity because there's so many kids in high school who really have great ideas and they belong out in the world activating them and they have the capability to become very successful business people. There are not many programs within high schools that encourage that and train them and really get them going in that direction at that point. So I can see how this would be invaluable for the uh, high school kids that become part of this program. And and have them mentor the mentoring as well, that's just phenomenal. Yeah, they're not just um, given the money and told to go, you know, figure it out. You know, they're actually given the money at incremental stages of their business development because they're mentored by very um, capable people who want to see them succeed. And so I'm excited that, you know, in a little bit you're going to have one of those winners of the 100 Urban Entrepreneurs um pitch competition on your show, you know, and and from Stinky Cakes, and it's just, um, it's you know, there is a lot of talent, especially with the youth, because I think, uh, Marsha, they haven't had it completely sucked out of them, <laughs> you know, by life experiences. <laughs> you know, they haven't had their dreams and their um, beliefs 
and their dreams um, diminished by responsibilities that we seem to get saddled with as we go older and um, I quote-unquote mature and take on more adult responsibilities. Um, so often, you know, a lot of us have very um, viable um, dreams that can make a significant difference not only in our own lives but in entire for the entire economies of communities. And, you know, we need someone who hears us, you know, who sees us, who believes in us. And that's what the, the board of directors with 100 Urban Entrepreneurs does. You know, they see and hear. They're fully present because they realize that um, in order to highlight these untapped, this untapped business potential, um, you know, that somebody has to not only see and hear, but they have to respond. And that's what they are committed to doing. They want to add to that one million plus of, you know, entrepreneurs that exist in our U.S. economy today. And 100 Urban Entrepreneurs, the organization, has this contest, and people apply, as you were just saying, and the winners get a $10,000 given to them over the course of their mentoring and the development of their business. Is that a summary, a good summary of it? That's um, that's exactly right. That's exactly what happens. Um, they they are given um, the support of hands-on involvement of successful business owners in the either specifically in the industry that they have won the contest for, or someone that's very fami- familiar enough. And then the dollars are you know released as they implement their plan. So they're learning about bookkeeping. They're learning about filing, you know, their tax returns. They're they're learning how to access and work with municipality resources um, for to create a sustainable building. They're learning how to manage their payroll and their products. You know, they're learning how mm-hmm. to understand and operate a profit and loss statement and to manage their assets as they accumulate so I think for your show, what's so exciting about having you um, welcome 100 Urban Entrepreneurs in your inaugural you know, New Feminine Wealth series here is that it's a chance for them to also learn how to ask questions, anticipating success and planning for great success. What are some of the things that um, these women in particular that have won this contest need to start taking a look at so that as they grow, um, they've laid a groundwork that will help their success be sustainable. And you said some of them are also, uh, some of the applicants were in foster homes. Is that right? Oh, yes. You know, the Compound Foundation, Neil's um, foundation, which is absolutely astonishing, the work that he's doing um, across the country and his vision, you know, the leadership of Kalila, his I'm president of his foundation, their board. Um, hey, could you say his name? I couldn't quite hear his name. What was his name? Neo, N-E hyphen Y-O, Neo. Recently he featured on a, um, he was on a Good Morning America. There, there are listeners who know who he is. Um, mm-hmm. following them. And we've got a broadcast coming up about the Compound Foundation on sylviaglobal.com. Uh, so they'll see and hear more about him as well. And his, you know, his philanthropy because he believes that uh, reaching out to the disenfranchised is not only important, but even within the the broader um, community of underrepresented groups in the area of business. So let's say minority groups. Let's say specifically African-American, Hispanic communities. There are still, and even the broader community as well, there are still those that are even more disenfranchised, and they're the people, the youth, who are in the foster care system. And so his, a part of his mission with the Compound Foundation is to tap into that entrepreneurial spirit. And so they hosted, he hosted um, a pitch competition, 
500 urban entrepreneurs was represented there. That's how I was introduced to them. And he had students with him um, at a university there in Atlanta for a week and brought in top-notch, you know, PR representatives to help them with their business plan and preparing for their pitch. He brought in... Uh, accountants, you know, people in various industries that he's affiliated, you know, that he's directly involved with. I'm talking top-of-the-line um, experts in the music industry. Um, he also did something really phenomenal that he's going to be spreading, and that is he put a sound, a recording studio in a group home in Atlanta in order to give those youth in the foster care, in that group home, an opportunity to really have some hands-on practice with creating their own music. And then those that want to go into the music industry could make a pitch, you know, for what they wanted to do. The winners of the Compound Foundation's pitch competition, um, there were so many um, great ideas that there ended up being not only the $10,000 gift, but an 8000 yeah, six thousand, and then a mentoring gift. So, um, just incredible sensitivity, but even more than that, incredible respect for the ability of the mind, regardless of the circumstances, to be able to create and want to create and be there, provide solutions to problems, and not just be the recipient of others. You know. This is so inspiring. Uh, I find it riveting because we need to hear that this is going on. And I can imagine that the applicants who did not win gained something tremendous from the process to have to uh, describe to others your business in a nutshell and to promote the strengths about your business and the purpose and your plan for the reach of your business and what it's going to accomplish and how it's going to earn the money that it takes to keep that business going and growing, just having to go through that process is a real growth for an, a growth experience for an entrepreneur and probably clarifies in their own mind what their business is and recommits them to the importance of it. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I think it would be helpful for our listeners to learn more about New Feminine Wealth, and then we can tie in, um, you know, the insights that you have and the wisdom that you're bringing to your broadcast every Tuesday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 um, here, um, you know, with entrepreneurship. Part of the, the New Feminine Wealth is a term that I've uh, started to use because it's the title of the book that I'm currently writing, which is my second book. And I'm interviewing people around the world, especially women and especially wealthy women. And and and, and part of it is a definition, redefinition of the word wealth. And it comes from the last 30 years of progress that the culture's the culture that we're in in the United States and many other cultures as well has made uh, to give women the the opportunity that they deserve to become uh, high earners, to be able to support their families, to be able to choose careers that weren't available to them in my mother's generation when you could be a secretary, a teacher, or a nurse. And my mother was a nurse. Uh, but she, that, those were the only options she had. And in this last 30 years of progress, even though we're not where we need to be, uh, we're, we will get there, I'm confident, there has been, I think, an influx of female values into what is money to them, what is wealth to them, what does it mean to them to ha- be able to have goals of wealth that weren't available a few generations ago. And I'm finding that women are bringing different values to money than what used to be there in more the patriarchal uh, system where uh, the income for a family was really controlled by the men. 
And it, it does not boot out the male values. There are some really uh, substantial and important values. You know, I remember my father, it was of supreme importance to him to be a good provider to his family. And he was. And that's a value that um, serves all of us. So it doesn't mean that it's female versus male. And it also doesn't mean that it's just women who have these new values that they're bringing into money, but it's simply happening at a time that women are stepping into financial power. And I do believe that they are uh, a guiding force. So, for example, um, the definition of wealth for women may not so much include financial wealth as their number one goal, but it may be a personal wealth, their 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 uh, rela- connectedness is really the word that comes up when I talk with women. They want to feel connected. They don't want to earn a lot of money if it's going to disconnect them from the needs of others, if it's going to disconnect them from their families, if it's going to disconnect them from their friendships. It's increasingly important for women to have ba- balance, and they want to take everything they value in their lives forward with them as they increase their earning and as they uh, consider the drive that they might have toward financial wealth. So that's just one little snippet. And some of the women I'm talking with are women who uh, are not in the process of creating wealth but already have it. And I'm finding out what are the values that they hold, what is wealth to them, how comfortable or uncomfortable are they with their money, where are the values they have that they are acting from, their philanthropy, their caring about others, their connection with the world. Um, So that's just a little bit of the exploration. There's a lot more, and we'll explore so many different slivers of that pie in the course of upcoming shows. But I think that's a nutshell. And it's enough, I would ask listeners to think, when I say feminine wealth, what is that term to you? For each person, it's going to have a different uh, resonance. It's going to create a different image. So what is feminine wealth to you? Uh, Please feel free to give us a call and let us know. I'll give the call-in number again. It is area 347 What what does the term feminine wealth mean to you? Well, Marcia, it's really, um, this is going to be very, very exciting um, for our listeners on Sylvia Global because uh, so many of us have, um, diverse experiences as it relates to money, but there is this common thread. It runs through all of our hands. You know, we all have contact with it. And so, for young entrepreneurs, such as you know your guests that are going to be coming on, that are standing by, um, it'll be wonderful to kick off this conversation from their perspective. You know, as mom, dadpreneurs, you know, behind Sticky Cakes, and how they're transforming their own needs into a viable business and to get their perspective on on wealth. So I know they're standing by and, um, you know, Michael and Adrian Conley. So, um, again, their their company is Stinky Cakes. It's (laughs) Stinky Cakes, stinkycakes.com. And Mike Conley, Mike and Adrian Conley, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Adrian couldn't make it today. She she she's actually uh, becoming a social worker. And she she got called in. So, well, then I'm coming. You're a social worker. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, she in uh, I'm sorry, Marcia. It's your show. Go. <laughs> you you go right ahead. Hey, we'll just try <laughs> He's fascinating already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, she's in school. She's actually right now. She's in school. Um. She's maintaining a 4.0 GPA. She's still helping me run the business. Um, we actually have foster kids that we we've been, we helped. We started about seven years ago. She was 21 and I was 23. Um, so a lot of that stuff we have still going on while while running the business. So it's definitely been 
it's definitely been a, one of those things where balance and, and, you know, being grounded and understanding what real wealth is. I, I was listening, you know, what was really important, that type of stuff all, all comes in, into play with what we do. So tell us, tell us what you're doing. It sounds like the two of you are energetic. It sounds like you're go-getters and that your values are really on the front line. You're, you're, it sounds to me like you're very purposed towards service. So tell us what Stinky Cakes is. So Stinky Cakes, what we, what we do is Stinky Cakes, we take uh, clean, <laughs> disposable diapers, we make them look like cakes. Uh, we send them all over the U.S. And so when someone has a baby, instead of sending them flowers or fruit, you send stinky cakes because they're going to use the diapers. So these are uh, basically works of art. I, I saw them on your website, and uh, some of them are a little bit funny. Some of them are really beautiful, but they're all made out of dispose, disposable diapers so that parents have diapers on hand. And it's designed to be... A gift. So when somebody gets a stinky gay, stinky cakes cake of diapers, it's a real gift. It feels fun to get, and actually they look really pretty. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we came up with that because we have two sons, and once our second son was born, all we really wanted was was, was diapers. My mother and mother-in-law, for my first son. I mean, they they bought this kid everything a, a baby could, you know, imaginably, possibly even ever want. And uh, they wanted to do the same thing for our second son. And we still have tons of things unopened from, from my first son. And we were like, well, can we just get diapers? <laughs> and they were like, no, no, he needs his own identity, you know. And then no one wanted to give us diapers. So we wanted to make diaper giving a fun gift and something that, something that you know, you could show um, sort of new baby's personality or what you know, everyone thinks that personality is going to be. So that's why we do all the custom cakes and custom designs to kind of, you know, to showcase what everyone thinks the baby's going to be, whether that's a a, a rock star or, or you know a basketball player or whatever it may be, you know we 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 create any theme possible. I like the princess one. It is it looks like a giant wedding cake made out of diapers. And just to be clear, there's no real edible cake in this. It's all diapers, so people can visualize it. And at the top of the cake, there's a I think a bear with a little crown and a Wand and I like that little princess cake. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. That's one. Well, was one, that's one of my favorite ones too. And I, I, the, the, my all-time favorite right now is one we we just did for Staples because Staples is based in uh, Massachusetts, and they had one of the, one of the workers had a baby, and, and and instead of having the easy button button on the cake, we put the baby's name in the easy button, and it was just, just really cute. So. When companies call us and ask us to play with their logos and have fun, you know, because that, see, that's the that's the beauty of what we do. Everything about babies is fun and upbeat, and you know, so people people expect that when they want to give their gifts. So I mean, it's, it's really cool to be able to be a part of that. Yeah, and so and these are made so that when somebody, I think when you were saying people didn't want to give you diapers, it didn't feel to them like they were giving a real gift, something special. Right. And yeah, and so these uh, stinky cakes. They clearly are gifts. There's something special. There's something unusual, and like you say, they're really fun. You can't no, you can't possibly receive a stinky cake and not smile or laugh. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, and I can see at a baby shower, it would be just a real hoot for somebody to get a, a stinky cake. That's something that everybody at the shower would remember for a long time. This is true. You know it's funny, and I, I always I always think it's cool when our customers email us on Facebook or Twitter us and say how they can't take apart the the stinky cake. I had one one guy, he's an attorney, and uh, <laughs> it was about two three in the morning. He told me, and, and they realized they were out of diapers, so he looked at his wife and he said, "Well, honey, we're not out of diapers. We have the stinky cake." <laughs> he said his wife looked at him and she said, "Don't you dare touch my stinky cake!" But she had to go after the twenty-four. She had to go after the twenty-four hour store and buy some diapers. <laughs> he didn't want to mess up the stinky cake. That's sweet. That's very sweet. So uh, useful, but it's art too. Exactly. Well, you know what I'm really interested in hearing about is you. You told us why you started it, because people didn't want to give you diapers for a gift and you made it fun and you're really helping a lot of people because uh, they'll get these. But 
how did the process go for you once you had the idea? That's a big leap to having this beautiful website up, to having a business plan, to actually selling them, and making the presentation that you did uh, to get uh, this grant and this mentoring, which I also want to talk about a little bit more in a minute. But how did how did how did you start to take action? What were the first couple of things you did? Well, what we did, you know, it, it's funny because we had when I when I say no money to start our company, we had no money. I mean, we were just we were like newly married, new new parents, and just kind of trying to figure it out. But you know, I my wife and I we both believe that you know if 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 you if you want something bad enough, you have to be willing to sacrifice stuff for it. So we decided to sacrifice the little things. So instead of um, you know going out to eat at restaurants, we bought business cards. Instead of you know uh, buying sneakers and you know all the other stuff and clothes and having the latest fashion, we we bought a website. And instead of you know going out drinking or whatnot, we bought postcards. And we used those postcards and business cards to send people to our website. So what happened was once one one at a time, you know people started using those promotional materials that we gave, marketing materials we gave them, and they started buying the stuff on our site. And it just gradually grew and grew and grew. But what, what I I think the most smart thing, the best thing that we did, well, we we, 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 um, we searched out, man, we seeked out mentors, like people that really did well in what they did. And in Western Mass, I mean, we have a lot of really cool uh, entrepreneurs around here, and one of, one of which is, Michael Kittridge, he's the guy who founded Yankee Candle, and now he's with his son with uh, Kringle Candle. But I reached out to Mr. Kittridge, and I asked him if he could, if he would be willing to mentor me. And to my surprise and delight, he said yes. So when he started talking to me and whatnot, I just really applied the things that he said, you know, to help grow my business, and it, and it started to move forward. You know, I, one of my mentors told me, you know, he said, don't feed your ego, feed your bank account. So I just started from early. I just started really listening to what everyone was saying, you know, the people that have already been through the trenches and, and, and fought to be successful entrepreneurs, and, and they helped a lot. So the, the second mentor I reached out to was John Sotino, and he's the guy who founded um, Vermont Teddy Bear. And he sat down with me out in Cambridge, Mass., and he, he broke down, you know, how he, how to, you know, use radio to advertise and whatnot. And he actually helped me develop a formula that I should be using to to – um, to, to base my business on, and that helped me grow. So it's been a lot of it's been a lot of people along the way that that helped Stinky Cakes be what it is. So I'm I'm very thankful. And one of the biggest things is the 100 Urban Entrepreneurs, and I know you want to get into that. Well, first, you know, you said a couple of things that really bear repeating um, that that are part of I think the formula for success. And it sounds like you did it automatically. Uh, one is. You told us how you used your money to go into your business. You didn't spend your money on things that a lot of us would want, personal expenditures. Every time you had any money, you put it into something concrete for your business, the business cards, the website, and so on. And the second thing is that you got a mentor so that you weren't out there flailing around doing what maybe you thought would be the best and maybe it would be and maybe it wouldn't, you got a mentor who had experience who could save you time, money, and discouragement by actually telling you what will work and guiding you that way and giving you the support and the encouragement uh, that you needed. Is that right? Exactly. You know, and so so the, the things that the things that I did, you know, that, that, that came about because I was a, the first company I launched, I was, I was nine years old when I launched my first uh, candy company, and it, and it grew, it grew so well. And it, and it, it was around from the time I was nine until 2005 when my grandmother passed. But the reason I was able to start a business because my stepfather, he was, he owned his own um, pest control business. And from three o'clock till about five o'clock when my mom got out of work, I would go with him. And I would always, I was always a very observant kid. So I would go when we go to the wealthier people's homes. I would see that on their, on their. Um, coffee tables, they always had magazines like Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine and those type magazines, and they would always watch, as a, as a you know, five-year-old kid, I remember them watching a, the show with the little ticker at the bottom, and that came from to me, came to be the um, stock market. So I would go home and watch those same shows as those people, and I didn't know what was going on, but I gradually caught on, and then I would ask them if I could have, you know, older 
um, issues of the magazines, and they would always give it to me. Like this little kid asked me for his magazine, take it. So that's when I, that's how I fell in love with entrepreneurs, and 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 you know that that's that's a big part of me knowing to reach out and knowing to look out and knowing how to just accept advice and, and listen to people. That all comes from from the little nine year old entrepreneur um, in me, and 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 that's how I apply that stuff. And at nine years old, you were asking for those magazines. Well, I was actually five, and I, I lost my first company when I was nine. I grew up in the Bahamas, and my grandmother was a huge candy lover. She loved, loved, loved candy. And her sister lived in Florida, so she would fly over to Florida and go to BJ's and Costco's and that kind of thing and bring candies back. And she had so many candy that you know, I, I had a endless supply. So I would take it to school, and, and I always had flavors that, you know, other kids didn't have. So they would ask me, and I, and I would give them away because, you know, I, it didn't bother me none. But I got to a point where so many people were asking me. I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm gonna tell them I sell them. So I started saying that, and they were, and I was expecting them to go away. But what happened was they started saying, okay, how much? <laughs> so I said, well, it's a dollar. You know, the, on the package it said fifty cents. So I said a dollar, and then I kind of grew the business. But what what the way I grew that was I realized that I had a business on my on my head, and you know, understanding supply and demand. Like I said, I was reading entrepreneurial magazine since I was five. So I I started telling them, you know what, I'm sold out, but if you come to my house, I have more. And I did that because I knew they had little brothers little sisters. So instead of making a dollar, I was making three three to five dollars. And my grandmother had no idea this was going on. So what I did was I, I wrote out a sign with all the candies we had, and I played sick one day, and I handed her the sign as they saw some people coming in. And she went to say, hey, Mike's not coming outside today. And the kids were like, no, nah, I'm here to buy candy. She was my grandmother was like, buy candy, and I said, Grandma, look at this sign, and she she understood what was going on, and she became like my supplier, my business partner. <laughs> so you were a real child entrepreneur, so yep. it's, it's it's no surprise then that you have been on a trajectory to success. You know, Adrian isn't here. Your wife, Adrian, and. Um, as you said, she um, is a social worker, and she had to work today. But I would like you to tell us, I'm curious now, what was her background? Uh, was she a child entrepreneur, or did she come to it more as an adult? Well, actually, she was as well. And that's one of the things we had in common, one of the two things we had in common when we, when we were dating. She, she was a child entrepreneur, and she loved helping kids. So she always wanted to. She always wanted to be a social worker, and she always wanted to have foster kids. And that was, I always wanted to take care of foster kids as well. But Adrian, she she had her own paper route, and she would babysit, and she did all of that all of that stuff as a as a kid. So we both we both um, were very entrepreneurial, and it's funny because I we see the same traits in our sons. Because my my oldest son, he wanted a Nintendo DS. And he has one, and he wanted the new one. So I said to him, why do you want it? And he said, well, because a kid in my class has one. And that's like the worst answer they ever give me. You want something because someone else has something. So I told him, hey, you, you're going to have to earn it, buddy. And he said, okay, Dad, how can I do that? And I said, well, you're good at drawing and this, that, and that. So why don't you just, you know, draw uh, 15 pictures and charge people 10 bucks? the one for Grandma, the one for Nana, the one for Papa, your neighbors, you know. And he says, okay, I'm going to do that. He comes back to me about 20 minutes later. He says, "Dad, you know what? I'm gonna charge him 20 bucks, and I could do it faster." Wow, <laughs> Gail, Sylvia, let's bring you back in because I can imagine you're as impressed as I am. I just think yeah. that it's it's wonderful, and I'm so um, proud of you, Adrian. I I'm also thankful that um, you know Marsha is the one that is having you know, this as a feature on her show um, because the work of 100 Urban Entrepreneurs is so important. And I think just like monies um, for financing startup businesses in the urban community are um, limited, I think so is the opportunities for conversations like the one that you're having, Adrian. you know, with Marcia. We'll have to get your, you know, your wife on here um, soon so we can also hear her voice and her experience. Um, I do have a couple questions for you. You know, how do your money values, if they do, differ from those of your wife and your association with money management? Well, you know, it's funny. That's that's where we differ the most. I think that's where her left brain and my right brain uh, collide because 
when it comes to when it comes to money, I'm like, let's spend it, let's spend it, let's spend it. This is great. We need to do this. We need to do that. And she's very analytical, and she's down to the, she's got it, you know, <laughs> dotted out and eyes dotted and T's crossed. But like I said, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at listening, so I understand that she's better at money management, and she she sees things more in a you know, one plus one is two kind of aspect. So we kind of we compromise a lot. I mean. In the beginning, it was more difficult because I'm very determined, and and I, I like to do what I like to do sometimes. But you know, I'm also I, I try to be humble as well. And when I make when I make a mistake, I have no no problem you know acknowledging it. So I, I spent I when we started generating revenue, I'm, I I I threw away uh, quite a few dollars, and and she wasn't happy with it. And then you know after that point, I kind of started to see things her way. So we just now we kind of like strategically. Um, do everything when it comes to finances and 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 spending money within within the brand and even even in our personal finances the same way. Have you had a mentor to support you through 100 Urban Entrepreneurs in addressing this part of the business ownership? Oh man, when the 100 Urban Entrepreneurs has been absolutely amazing for me. Oh, I just there's so many headaches and so many so much time. Uh, was saved by me just listening to what they said. Even when we first started, we had the eight eight week training. But a lot of the things that they, a lot of the things they provided for us in in that aspect, it just kind of blew blew my mind and blew what we needed to, what we needed to do. I, I one of the things that really stick with me the most is I remember I was talking to Magnus one day and he said to me because I was all bent on you know going to big markets. He said just get into some big markets. If we you know, if we could get into New York, or we could get into Boston, uh, L.A., you know, we'll, we'll we'll be really, we'll do really well. And he said, Mike, why don't you just you you're in a small market, why why don't you just go after more small markets? And I'm I'm thinking like this guy's crazy. I really need to go to the big leagues. But after uh, after applying the things that he said, then I kind of got it because the small markets, you you even your you know your advertising budget goes goes a lot further, and you get more bang for your buck. And being an online company that ships, I don't have to be in a big market. Because if you know, if I if I if I get a million people out of New York or a million people out of you know out of, out of smaller markets, and I save five hundred thousand dollars acquiring those customers, it's it's smarter to go to a smaller market. So you know, it's just little things like that that they already been to and they seen and they know that that help help us grow our business and help us, you know, just be much be much of a stronger brand than we probably would have been on our own. What is the direct give a phone number for again because we do want to invite people to call in and, and talk to Mike. Uh or you can also put your questions on the Sylvia Global Facebook page and we will be able to answer those for you on the air. We have another 15 minutes or so, so please uh, forward your questions to Mike. And the call-in number again is 347-215-6138. Take it away, Gail Sylvia. About um, where you are right now with your business and how you juggle um, all of the responsibilities. Well, you know what? We're, we're still growing. We're doing okay. We, we, the orders are still coming in so we can keep the doors open or keep the website up, I should say. And um, it's, it's really all it's all time management, you know, and, and really, 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 and it's very important to remember what's most important to you, you know, and that's family. I, and, it, you know, it took me five years of, Neglecting my even myself and and my health because that's the most important thing. So you know, in the in the first in the first four years of growing this company, I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't doing none, none of that other stuff, and I and I ended up becoming diabetic. You know, I ended up having high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and it's all a whole a whole bunch of stuff. And then it hit me, you know, that Mike, you can't. You can't take care of your family. You can't service your customers if you're not healthy. So I just started to, to do things to, to make sure that I was healthy, you know, because your health is the most important thing. So that's one of the things I actually just did was launch a, a 90-day challenge to help my family and friends and, and, have, and even my customers to, to stay healthy and stay in shape. And we, we just launched a brand-new website at um, www.90daysfromrightnow.com. And it's geared to help people get healthy, stay healthy, and you know build muscle and get in shape. 
because without without your help, nothing nothing else nothing else can happen. You know, and like I said, you know, and I like you guys were talking about wealth earlier. It's more than just money. You know, wealth has to do with your family and your friends and every. You know, you you giving back and all that other stuff. So I think I think being balanced and understanding how every aspect of your life is affected, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, and just keeping everything in in, in um the right the proper perspective keeps it keeps you keeps you in in, in check. So like even now. I do a lot of stuff with um, giving back and teaching kids to be entrepreneurs. Like I said, you know, I'm powered by a nine-year-old entrepreneur in me. So I, I am now the spokesperson for Junior Achievement Western Mass. Um, I'm a board member for Junior Achievement, and I actually just teamed up with a wonderful nonprofit called Project 13 that, that teaches kids, you know, how to, the things to learn in school play out in the real world. So that stuff, you know, helps me feel like, you know, I'm doing something bigger than me because I'm helping people and, you know, the the weight loss and nutrition stuff helps me help people stay in shape because I don't want anybody to go through what I went through, feeling sick and, and being in the ICU and all that stuff and, you know, having your family and friends worry about you. You know, it's all about, like I said, it's all about balance. What is the greatest challenge that you have running your business right now? You know, the greatest challenge for me is, is turning it off, to be honest with you. Like some days I just want, like, you know, 30 minutes of just, doing nothing, <laughs> but but in that 30 minutes of quiet time, it's always like, ooh, you know, I could do this, ooh, I could do that, and it's like, but my wife, my wife is really great at, you know, helping me to be balanced with with that aspect and turning it off, because she'll always schedule trips where there's supposed to take the kids to, you know, six flags or just go to the park and walk as a family and just breathe, just breathe, because, you know, my kids are now six and, and, and five, and you know, I know a lot of a lot of people tell me, like, make sure you 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 know, cherish the moments with them because you're gonna turn around one day and you can't pick your little you can't pick your son up anymore. You're gonna be too heavy, and then it's gonna be it's gonna be a day when you want to play basketball with them and they're gonna think you're not the hero anymore and they're not gonna want to hang with you. You know, so just take the time and and and, and make sure you know you take care of the, those important things. So that's that's the biggest challenge. Just making sure making sure I don't lose track of what's really, really, really important. Yeah, yeah. We have a listener from Claremont, California, who wrote in a question for you on the Sylvia Global Facebook page. And uh, she says, Michael, what would feminine feminine wealth mean to you? (laughs) What is is that term, feminine wealth? You're a man, and you're on a show called The New Feminine Wealth. Mm-hmm. And what does feminine wealth mean to you? Well, you know, I was raised by my mother, my grandmother, and you know, I I think for me, feminine wealth would be just I I, I you know I think I, even though I'm a guy, I really think I operate that way in the sense that I think of a strong woman, I think of my mother, I think of my grandmother, and just just you know. When it comes so so to explain better what I'm saying, when it comes to the term fear, right? I, I, I like to fear this way. We moved from the Bahamas to, to Florida after my mother got divorced and my mother was very terrified of flying. I mean, she she would sit on the airplane and not move because she was just so uh terrified of flight um heights and flying. And the only job my mother could get where she could um take care of her family when we first moved over was a was a flight attendant, you know? And my mother took that job to feed us, and she she sucked it up. She overcame her fear of flying just to provide for us. And see, and at that point, you know, monetarily, my mother didn't have anything. But you know, when it comes to being a provider and being, you know, you know, just there for her family and doing what it had to do, she was beyond wealthy. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. feminine wealth to me means so many things. It, it's just you being that super person or you being what your family needs you to be at whatever moment, they, whatever you know period of time they're going through to make sure that they're okay and to make sure that they survive. Very nice. And for you personally, your own personal definition of wealth, what is wealth for you? Well, you know, wealth to me is, is, is having, having... If you ask me that... Uh, 
five, four, three years ago when I was before I was in the ICU, I would say, you know, wealth would be having everything I want, the houses I want, you know, being able to travel, doing all this other stuff. But you know, after after sitting in the ICU and the people that I thought, you know, because I, I made a lot of people a lot of money and you know all that stuff, and none of those people were there to see me, but the people that were there with me were my family and my close friends and. Even some of my customers, because I was still on Facebook and Twitter saying, you know, giving updates as to how I was doing. And Walter and me shifted right in that moment when I realized that, you know, it's more than just money. So Walter and me is, you know, having having genuine people around you that genuinely care about you. And if, if you were on your dying bed and if you were on in the ICU, you know, who would be there with you? You know, and, 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 and sharing sharing the moments with those people as important to them and, and helping those people, you know, reach their goals and connecting them with the people they need to do, you know, that for me, you know, having, having truly great relationship with, relationships with other people to me is the definition of wealth and having a happy, you know, having your, your family and your, your friends and, your, you know, close your loved ones, you know, just happy with you and you happy with them, that's wealth for me. Yeah, I, I can understand that. We have another listener, Beck, from Georgia, and this is a really good question for you. Uh, I love that our guest is a man, and he's getting questions about feminine wealth. This is perfect. How do you recommend we teach principles of feminine wealth to sons? And you, you know have what? sons. You know what? That, I think I think the best way to do that, in my opinion, would be just to just to help them appreciate the things that, that you do as mothers. I mean, you know, I, and and I thought I understood that as a, as a son, but now watching my wife with my with my children, I'm like, wow, this lady does so much more than what I do. And you know, and you know, when it comes to running this family, and when I when I I always try to make my sons appreciate what their mom did. Like no matter what it is, whether she 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 was tired and she she cooked a special meal for him, or you know someone forgot their lunchbox and she drove back and got us, you know it's just a whole bunch of all the little things that really make moms and, and women great. I, I try to help my sons to appreciate that because I want them one day to turn around and appreciate that in their wives and and have their children appreciate in their mothers. So I if if that if that. If I could give them that and help them understand that, I think you know it'll be it'll be a great thing for them. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So, what would you want them to? What would what you want their your 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 children's relationship with money to be? Well, you know what I want them I want them to understand the power of uh, residual income. I don't want them to. To to, always, to to believe they have to trade time for money to 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 make a living. I try to. I want them to understand the power of leverage, and I want them to understand the power of, you know, not being being really financial literate, literate, and that you know meaning understanding numbers and how it works. And I don't want them to be. I don't want them to be afraid of it. You know, I don't want them to think you know rich people are bad, and you know I don't. Because some people, some people, you know, they think that, and it's not necessarily the case. And I want my kids to just have a clear view of you know, of of money and uh, and numbers. Now, whether they choose to become wealthy or whether they choose to become entrepreneurs or whatever it may be, maybe they just want to have a, a, a nine to five, and that's fine with me too. But as long as they understand, you know, you know, money and and and, and our financial literate, I'll be happy with that. And what do you want the money to mean to them? Well, I, I want I want money to mean to them to be a, a means to an end. You know, mm-hmm. money definitely makes things little. You know, it makes things a little easier when you, when, you know, you have when you when you have the resources. But you know, my belief when it comes to money is money just magnifies. You know, what someone is. If, some, if, if you're a nice guy with a little bit of money, you're just a nicer guy with you know, with more money. If if you if you if you're not you know not a nice person with a little money, just a, you're just a, a meaner person with a lot of money. So money really just magnifies someone who, whoever someone is. If uh, we have another question for you, if you I'll read it too. If you could leave on oh leave entrepreneurs that are just starting their business with one piece of advice or encouragement, what would it be? Well, I, I would just like just like my uh, 
my mentor told me, and this one sticks with me: don't feed your ego, feed your bank account. Do the <laughs> do the things do the things that makes you makes you money. As far as you know, if that's if that's your goal, because I mean, everyone launches a company to become successful, but in, but a lot of times we miss the things that would make us successful because we're so busy doing what we think is right and what we think and what we think and what we think, you know. My mentor also told me that, you know, the words that will always when every any anytime you hear yourself saying these words, you know you know you're on your way to being broke. And those words are, Yeah, but I like it. <laughs> you know. Ah. So you know, if you know you like it, that means you have one customer and that's you. So you need to do the things that, that your customers want and you know, like I said, don't feed your ego, feed your bank account. You're right. If you're if you're always thinking, well, yeah, but I like it this way, but I like it, but I like it. You're really uh, starting your business as a form of self-expression, but that's really different from starting your business to be financially supportive of you and your family and a exactly. means to goals. Beautiful. Now t- I'm going to ask you something about Adrian. I, I feel very connected to her, even though she isn't here. And I'm very aware, um, you know, that she's a big force in this business. So what, put yourself for a moment in Adrian's shoes, and let's ask the question of Adrian via you. What would she say is her advice to entrepreneurs starting their businesses? Well, I think Adrian would advise an entrepreneur to just, you know, Make sure you make time for your make time make time for your family because that's that's huge for her. Like I said, she's she's the one that makes sure we we do the things as a family and turn stuff off. And she would also advise to make sure you make sure you plan it out because you know those days when your business isn't going the way you thought and things aren't developing like you you thought they were. You got to be prepared to deal with those days. I remember some of the days when we had absolutely nothing, and we just we just had each other and. and it, we we kind of we worked as a team. I know a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs fail because their spouse or significant other aren't they're not they're not entrepreneurial and and they don't get it. I think we're we're fortunate that we both understand and we both get it. And you know you just gotta keep the keep the more, the more important things important. You know that's 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 huge to my wife. You know yeah. helping helping kids. You know because like I said, you know we do a lot of stuff with foster kids and a lot of you know giving back and reaching out and teaching entrepreneurship to kids and, and, and young adults. And, you know, that, that stuff is very important to her. What are you, what's your plan for the next thing you're going to be, going to be doing in your business? Well, it's funny because we actually just launched a, 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 a brand-new company because I love helping people when it comes to growing their businesses. So we just launched this company called um, uh, appdadcard.com. Say that again. Debbie. Say that again, I didn't quite catch it. Oh, sorry. It's And what we do there is we allow people to turn their, their flat business cards into iPhone apps. <laughs> so so now, so and it is it, 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 advantageous because when you send your app to someone, then, then more, they're not going to lose it, and now they can go on your website and they can see your videos and they can get turn-by-turn directions to your company. And it's all and it's all done. You can do it yourself right on the website. It's very user friendly. Wonderful, Rush. There's just no stopping you. I have a feeling if we talk to you in five years, you're going to have three more companies to tell us about. <laughs> <laughs> but let's make sure that people do know how to go to your current company. Your stinky, stinky, just like it sounds, stinkycakes.com. Um. Is there anything we haven't covered that you were hoping we would or something that comes to you right now that you would like to leave listeners with? And 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 I do want to say you have been a fountain of wisdom and um a lot of energy and very inspiring. So um what you've given has been very very uh, beneficial I think to a lot of listeners. But 30 seconds of something else that you'd like to leave them with? Well, yeah, and if I if I have to say if I have to say anything, you know, I, I'm one of my business books is, is I have two. One is the 10x rule by Grant Cardone, and the other one is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And one of the things Napoleon Hill said in, in that, because sometimes business is difficult, and he says sometimes a temporary this temporary defeat and misfortune, you know, those could be those could be the, the 
those could be the the, the determining determining factors if someone's going to keep going or not. But he, he he in that book he encourages you how to how to push through and just keep moving forward. So I I would advise you know anyone anyone that's wanting to be entrepreneurial or business minded to just pick up pick up that book. Think and grow rich. Great, that is good advice. Well, thank you so much, Michael Connolly, for being here with us. And Gail Sylvia, thank you for joining me and exploring the new feminine wealth. Absolutely my pleasure. Congratulations to both of you. Very, very um, stimulating conversation and great responses we're getting. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll talk to you next week, same time, 9.30 Pacific time, The New Feminine Wealth, and I'm Marsha Nelson. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.